What's up, everybody? It's Howie. Welcome to episode number six. This episode of Tales from the Green Room is brought to you by Ambient Force. Are you having a large event? Are you getting married? Are you in a band and you want to have a really great light show? Something cool and different to stand out from all the other bands? Well, it sounds like you need to accent your excellence over at ambientforce.com. What I mean by that, some friends of mine at Ambient Forest, they're based out of the Northeast here in the U.S., have these highly customizable wireless LED uplights. You can control them from any connected device, your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever you, whatever you have. Um, the lights can be any shade of any color, and there's a bunch of effects. You can get it to change with the beat of the music. You can make them flicker like candlelight. Some of these lights have been at parties by John Cena and Nikki Bella. These things work for any sort of vibe that you're going for. If you're going for like subtle ambience or some dramatic effect with music. I mean, it, it, the possibilities are endless here. I've actually seen these things in action. Uh, I was working with a band up in the studio up in Boston area, and um, we kind of felt like we needed to get them a little more vibey. We were in this kind of surgical, kind of lit up room with a white light, kind of boring, you know. And uh, got a hold of the three of these things. We just put them in different different spots in, in the room. It was instantly a better vibe. It looked awesome. and. Uh, it just really gets you in the mood for the for the type of thing that you're going for. I know the people behind Ambient Force, and they're all really good people. They care. They just want to help you have the best event possible. So go to the website, ambientforce.com. You could give them a call at 857-285-2035 or hit them up on email at info at ambientforce.com. And if you mention the podcast, Tales from the Green Room, uh, they're going to give you a little discount as well. So make sure you jump on top of that. Accent your excellence with ambientforce.com. Well, on today's show, I'm stoked to have my buddy Ted Bound from the band Pacifier. Yes, that is two members from Pacifier now. I'm going to work on the other two at some point. Um, but Ted wanted to come on and, uh, and do the show and just uh, talk a little bit more about his experience. And um, um, yeah, we just got into it about a bunch of different things. Talk a lot about uh, streaming and how it's affected uh, bands over the last few years and learning to accept it and embrace it. We ended up speaking for about an hour and a half, so I had to split this into two parts. So uh, make sure you listen to part two right after this. Without further ado, give it up for Ted Bound. Here he is. Hey. Hey. What's up? For some reason, my iPad rang, but my phone didn't. Huh. So I'm talking to you on my iPad, but it's 100% charged, so it's all good. Sick. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> What's up? How much, man? What's up with chill? Uh, just hanging out. We were just down at the beach and uh, just got back to the house, poured a glass of wine. It's Sunday, right? Uh, yeah, oh, it, no. it, it, is, uh, it is definitely not Monday. It's not Monday. <laughs> at least it's not Monday. What day is it? Is it Tuesday? It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Okay, it is. Yeah, but you know, when you go on tour all the time, days don't matter at all. Yeah, nothing matters when you're on tour. Nothing really matters. Nothing at all. Anyone can see. (laughs) Damn, I was going to go there too. You already did it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Um, all right, man. Good to have you on 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 the podcast. Dude, I'm so proud of you for starting this thing. It's pretty awesome. Thanks, man. Was... I wanted to do the same thing for a while. I did for a while. It was called TedCast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but that was a long time ago. My friends have asked me to bring it back. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, just don't have the, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is that I need to have to do it again, but I don't have that. Uh, chicken fingers? I don't have enough chicken fingers, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I can. We'll work on that. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> that could turn into something really funny if we if we wanted to. That really could. That really could be pretty rad. I think. I think you should. I think you should do it again. I think uh, uh, it's it's been a really fun kind of creative outlet for me. Um, yeah. Other, other than the the tunes, you know, it's just uh, well, it's liberating. My dad was in radio for 26 years, and I grew up being very fond of, like, that whole entire thing, you know, the, the whole, 
idea of being a radio DJ and interviewing people and playing whatever tunes you want to play and all that stuff. And um, I definitely like went into work with my dad when I was younger and he would let me into like one of the studios that wasn't being used and I'd like tape my own radio show onto a cassette tape. That's so cool, man. I used to do the same thing. You would just take all your favorite songs and you talk a bunch of yeah, bullshit in between, microphone. you know. Next up, and you try to you try to talk uh, over the yeah. music until the vocals started, like they do on the radio. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm give it up for a, a Green Day. Best. Do you have the time? You know, it's just like, yeah. do you have the time? <laughs> yeah, I got the time, Green Day. Here we go. Next up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All, all that dumb shit that they say. Yeah. Yeah. That was. That was. Uh, I know. I started once. I started doing this. Whoa. I went back to that. I was like, wow. I, I remember doing that as you a kid. You grew like, up. You are lucky lucky enough and I came into it later on but you guys grew up in the era of the golden era of WHFS which was like for a kid growing up in the Maryland DC area to go to HF festival was a mecca every year huge and you listen to the radio station all year long and you get all your information about alternative rock music from them and then you go to the HF festival and all these people that you've been worshiping all year are there and they're playing for you at RFK stadium pretty awesome i was talking to somebody about uh hf festival the other day actually that was definitely one of the uh that was one of the things that that we strive to do um coming up as a local band here and uh we got to do it uh i think we played it three times and um the first time was hf festival 2001 and it was the two-day one it was the first time they did two days in the spring and uh man it was like Dude, everyone in music was playing that weekend. It was just insane. Was that when Citizen Cope played? I don't remember that one. Uh, I remember, but it was like, it was uh, Incubus, Green Day, Linkin Park, Weezer, Stained, you know, like. I was there. I was there. Dude. That was my senior year of high school. Alien Ant Farm, Newfound Glory. I think American Hi-Fi was big at that point. Like just, man, it was so (coughs) huge. Incubus was the highlight of that one. For they me. definitely were. They played at like seven o'clock for like thirty minutes. Yeah, and and then I think did uh who who was it? Tenacious D played right after them. Uh, you might be right. I I remember, <laughs> I remember actually Green Day was they weren't supposed to play it, but they were like a surprise guest. So they just kind of booked it last minute yeah. because a band dropped out yeah. or something, and they played somewhere after Incubus, like as it got late. Like they might have been one of the last bands. Dude, it's crazy because like we not only have a lot of the same you know alternative rock influences, but literally this like we grew up two hours away from each other, and obviously going to HF Festival. I was talking to a friend of mine that lives down here now that went to HF Festival growing up, and it was like that was for anybody that grew up around that area. It's like a rite of passage. It, it is it's like oh, you, did your parents allow you to go to HF Festival this year? Oh man, you're a big kid now. Like that was. That was where everybody went to go check out all the radio bands and also to experience whatever else you experience as a 16-year-old at a festival. I'm not, I'm not encouraging anything, but, uh, you know. <laughs> have fun. Be safe, but have fun. Yeah, exactly. It, it was, uh, that was definitely one of the, um, I don't know, one of the, the big memories, the big fond memories that I have um, just as a, as a kid in yeah. early 20s and all that. It was just... Yeah, such a fun time. Hello. But I think that's why we we why we uh we all gravitated so early on. We you and I have been touring together for ten years at least. Yeah. Yeah, about ten and years. I remember I, I listened to the podcast you did with Nick and talking about the bad fish in Solomon's Island. <laughs> Ken Hang was there. That was like infamous. That was back in the day, man. When you think about it, that was ten years ago. That was like that was, we were all kids. That was in that was in the uh, it was during the Great Blackout of two thousand seven. That's <laughs> so you what, don't remember it? Yeah, that's what that well, we referred to two thousand seven as the Great Blackout because um, that is one of the shows that we kind of remember. It was just a really fun time and I remember playing with you guys yeah. at Can't Hang. And um, Jared used to run, uh, promote over there and run that place. And um, <clears throat> and it was just, that was a night of like Jägermeister. I mean, that whole that whole year, that whole like was all Jägermeister. That's why we call it that because it's just literally five oh, yeah, or six shows. Oh yeah, we had a Jägermeister year. 
Yeah, yeah. We it was we were like five years solid from like '03 to like '08 of just Jägermeister. Did, did you guys do the sponsorship? We didn't. We didn't. Um, we uh, I, th- I, I mean, think we tried, but we just kept drinking it. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The like, I don't want to. I'm I'm not trying to talk shit on anybody, but uh, the we just couldn't handle it. Like, I'm talking shit on ourselves right now because they were like. We require that you actually take a shot of Jaeger at every show and encourage people to drink Jaeger at the bar. And it's like, I know some artists were like taking some flat soda on stage and, you know, hitting shots of flat soda saying it's Jaegermeister. But first of all, that's really morally upsetting for me. (laughs) And second of all, it's like, I can't drink that much Jaeger. And if you want me to drink it like once a night for every night for like three months, no thanks. So I'll, you know, we'll we'll make our own posters. We'll <laughs> we'll print up our own pics. Thanks very much. Appreciate it, Jaeger. Yeah, I I just couldn't do that that deal if if we wanted to, man. That was we used to we used to crush a bottle like one of the big bottles on stage almost every night. Um, yeah, I think I was there one of those nights at the Rendezvous. Yeah, you were there. I was telling Nick that we got his brother Will wasted. Um, he was yeah, like nineteen. That was when Will was like nineteen. <laughs> And uh, oh man, what a stupid night that was! It was it was it was a lot of fun though. Like uh, actually, I think it was that was the first time that I think we actually um, met you guys in person and hung out. And all yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That was that was the the monumental first meeting of Ballyhoo Pacifier of Ballyfire Pacifier. Be- <laughs> the beginning of something beautiful of Bruhaha. Bruhaha, man! Remember those tours, dude? I I, mean, I think it's almost. About to be that time again. We're down. You were, you know, we're fucking down. Uh, like I haven't brouhaha'd in a couple of years, and it's feeling a little bit lonely around here. It's kind of weird. What we did? Uh, what did we do? Like, I don't know, like ten shows with you last year, sometime eight. Something yeah, like that. wasn't enough. Yeah. It's never enough. Um, yeah, but it's always good time. It it's is a good time. It's a great time. I think uh, I think our fans combined have a really good time. We have a lot of uh, crossover, and it's just, it just makes for a fun fun night. Like we have different flavors, but there's a common denominator somewhere. And like I don't know, yeah. it's just a just a fun time. Good good vibes. Dude, I hate to switch directions on you real quick, sure. but I just got really stoked. Um, I just now received a hard drive with some some stems for um, the hip abduction. Wants me to do a remix for one of their songs, oh, and sure. I've been wanting to do that for a really long time. So I'm looking at the hard drive now, like yes, <laughs> sick dude. Yeah, you're you're doing a, a lot of mixing and stuff, right? Producing as well. Yeah, um, trying to st- stay busy in the studio, off the road, and make a name for myself as somebody who is a, a viable option. And when you want to make a record and you don't uh, have a lot of money. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Cause I'll do it for not a lot of money at this point. Bargain bound career. over here. <laughs> Bargain bound. <laughs> uh, no, but it's been really cool being in St. Pete because like a lot of bands are coming up in Florida right now. And, you know, very, very rapidly making their way onto the scene with Reggae Rise Up being a big thing here and with Florida in general being basically the California, the East Coast, as far as, you know, our scene, the reggae rock scene, this is where you go to make your your dough as far as touring on the East Coast with, with our scene. Yeah. So all these bands are coming up as like, you know, in the wake of us band, of, of us guys who are 10 years older than these kids touring here in the last 10 years. You're now, I'm now meeting all these kids that are like, yeah, I used to go to your shows, and now I'm this badass fucking saxophone player for such and such a band, and I I love your band. I'm like, man, I can't, like, that kind of stuff, and you experience it every day, I'm, I'm sure, like, somebody telling you, somebody who's really talented in an opening band, and you watch them perform, and you're like, damn, they're fucking great, and then they come up to you, and you're like, they're like, I started doing what I'm doing because I watched you guys 10 years ago, and it inspired me to do this. That's basically been my experience producing music around here, is all these kids have come to shows at Janus, and come to shows at The Social. The Social in Orlando has been, you know, a, a, a rock for us for the last 10 years. 
That's a great spot. Just meeting all these people who are now involved in the scene and making music and recording them and them giving me their stories of the first time they came out to. And some of our Ballyhoo Pathfire shows, honestly, a lot of them are like, man, I was at Brew Ha 2009, or I don't know what year we did it first, but, um, you know, we have a lot of the same fans, so you probably hear these same stories. But we, a lot of our fans are 311 Familia Mm -hmm. and people that we met on the 311 cruise. And that has spawned into such a, like a, you know, you, you know, we, we, some of the heavy hitters out there, you know, the, the, the John Dalton, uh, Lurie Brantley, uh, (laughs) I'm calling him out. Christy Carlin. Kim Mock. Yeah. Uh, man, Holly, um, Let's go down the list here. I don't know. You got some people out there that have been supporting both of our bands Fucking in a way that dude. cheerleaders, not just like, not just people that come and hang out and like try to get near the band to be cool, but people who come and they're like, I know I've you've given me a ride in your van before and it's a shitty place to be. So here's some snacks and here's some air fresheners and, uh, you know, like. I want to take you guys to a really cool place in town that you'll like rather than like, you know, please smoke weed with me. <laughs> like, Not that we, that's we, horrible, right? But No, it's not. It's not horrible. But it is nice to, to have a change of scenery and get a different thing is. going on. Because it's, uh, you know, it's, it is Groundhog Day, you know. <laughs> it totally is Groundhog Day. Yeah. Absolutely. It is, it is totally refreshing when you um, – and inspiring when you when you get stories like that, get tweets from people that are just you know crushing for your band every day, you know, yeah. and uh, and like you said, telling you the stories of how they started, you know, their band because some of your songs, it just you know they're influenced by by you guys or us or whatever. It's just it's it's awesome, man. There's no, there's no feeling you can't really explain, and yeah. uh, you're just just the gratitude, I guess. It's just. Uh, and we, you know, we do the best we can to to show the love back, you know. And that's that's the difference between, like, I don't know. Uh, there are bands out there that I've, you know, I've been. I go to a lot of shows. I don't just play a lot of shows. I try to go to a lot of shows and show my support for other bands and show my love for music. And sometimes I I don't feel that from the band. I don't feel like the band really gives a shit that I'm there or anybody in the room is there. They're up there to fulfill some kind of ego thing. And it's like, all right, I I have no like desire to go and you know try and support this band anymore because they don't really give a shit about me. And I, I, that's the most important thing is after a show or before a show, if you happen to be in the crowd. And you walk by somebody and they say, hey, man, I love your band. Don't act like that pisses you off. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, Who well, are you? Yeah, that's that, that 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 pisses you off that somebody wants to talk to you about how much they like your band. Sit there, talk to them about it. Ask them where they're from. Ask them when the first time they came to a show was. Guarantee they're going to be at the next show because you gave them the time of day and you actually made them feel like a human being. That's just like... I don't know. There's some etiquette within touring that I don't understand as far as the like, you know, be uh act act bigger than you are or like, you know, the perception is key. Act like you're way more famous than you are and you'll be there someday. I don't I don't get down with that. Yeah. Um there's there's something to uh I guess there's one thing to have a little bit of smoke and mirrors and a little mystique, I guess. Is mm-hmm. probably the right yeah. word, mystique. Um, but when it comes down to it and there's a fan staring you in the face, you know, two feet from you, it's just time mm-hmm. to fucking be cool. You know, it, yeah. there's no smoke and mirrors at that point. There's no mystique. You're there. They're, you're standing from yeah. Granted, people like David Bowie and Lady Gaga wouldn't be huge, you know, icons in, in the music world if they weren't super mysterious and, and weird with everything they did. Those are the exceptions to me. Like the, the exceptions, yeah. the people that the people that want the, the iconic ones. I if I got treated like shit by somebody like David Bowie or, or Elton John or, or Prince or somebody like that, you know, like you'd expect. I, I would be like, all right, cool. Hey, I mean, yeah, they know I exist now. Yeah. 
you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they saw me. They saw me. They looked at me. They said, "Fuck off" or whatever. But hey, that's <laughs> yeah. cool. You know, that's that was my exchange. Um, but a lot of these Who new have you new had rock that experience stars. with? I know you've had that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't. Nick, our, our bass player, Nick, <laughs> I can't remember who it was. He saw one of his favorite bands. I can't remember who the guy, it was like a, I don't know, a guitar player or something in the band <laughs> a couple of years back. And he got to say hi to him. Hey, man, love yeah. your band. You guys are so sick. I just I grew up listening. And the guy was just like, yeah, cool. And like just totally, just total <laughs> dick, right? And Nick's just like, yeah. cool, man. I'm just, I'm just going to go fuck myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like how yeah. do you how do you, do you react you know and uh i i would hope more times than i can admit really I, pe- people have see people have their their bad days they have their bad moments and you you just never know what's going through someone's head at, the, at that time if you meet them or whatever sure and and I think that is one thing to consider. Um, now, there are some people that you, you've heard multiple stories that are just bad or whatever, but um, you just never know. And, like, I would hope that I've never I, – I was, I was told once at – it was after a Warped Tour show in 2016. Someone messaged mm-hmm. us on Instagram, like, I don't know, a week after or a couple months after maybe, and said, that like, something, something to the tune of, like, yeah, we came up, we were waiting for like two hours to meet you guys in that line in Connecticut and you were just like total assholes and you just didn't like, you didn't, you were just, you know, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I remember like, I remember the show. I was like, we had a great time. Like the show was awesome. And we stood yeah. there and waited and talked to everybody and we weren't, I, and I told him, I was like, dude, I'm sorry if I came off like a dick or something somehow that was not yeah. my intention, you know? Um, and he came back and was like, it's cool, man, you know, whatever. But I don't know, like it, if I've ever come across to you like that, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was never yeah, my intention. Well, I appreciate don't, it. Don't know? even take into account that we, we got here at 7 o'clock in the morning and helped our merch guy set up this tent here and then went and played a show in the sweat in the most sweaty, hot conditions you can imagine. And then we stood here for two hours so that we could meet you. Like, if I was short with you, please understand that there are a lot of factors that go into that. Warp Tour is probably the least glamorous tour you could ever be on. The absolute worst. It, the it best, the but the worst when it comes tour. to conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there definitely, they're, I think there, that happens. Like there's some sort of like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like uh, the, they, they feel like they're entitled, you know, the entitlement of like, I stood here. I should be able to meet you and do whatever the fuck I want with you. You know, (laughs) you know, and I think there's a mutual respect that has, that has to happen there. You know? So funny thing about Warped Tour, because I went to visit your guy, Tristan out at, uh, the, the, the Warped Tour tent, um, this past summer in Vinoy Park. And he was telling me that last year they had all the, um, the internet stars, like all the viral video stars, like the YouTubers, there yeah. was a tent where they you go and meet and greet with them, and there were lines for that tent that were like four hours long, and people were missing the main acts because they wanted to go meet like hide your kids, hide your wife. Oh my god, the cat is on top of the fence. Holy shit! Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. It's uh, it's crazy how now we worship people that post funny videos on YouTube as if they were Elton John yeah. or you know Mozart or like somebody that really made a difference in the world entertainment world. Right, uh, we're definitely in a uh, we're in a transition. I think we're still in the early years of this. Um, it's like the. Uh, the golden age maybe of this whole YouTube Instagram thing. Um, influencers mm-hmm. are like, they're the next rock stars, movie stars, whatever. And uh, yeah, everything's changing, man. And um, it, it's wild. I think it'll just be a, it'll just be a normal thing. My son came up to me uh, not two weeks ago and, and he's seven. He's just like, dad, can I start a YouTube channel? I was like, wow, <laughs> wow. He wants to play yeah. drums, you know, on YouTube. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he watches videos all the time. And uh, he tries to mimic everything and plays along to all our songs and 
like Bruno Mars That's cool, and all that stuff. Man. It's sick, man. I know you encourage that for sure. Oh, for sure. My, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the type like where I would like them to do something musical, and whether they do anything with it yeah. or not, I, I would prefer them not to start a band. <laughs> you know, like go in there and get something that actually make you some money. But um, the uh, yeah. I would like for them to to play drums or piano or guitar or something just to have it because it's just a cool thing to have, you know. And um, it, I would never push it. It on balances them. your life, at, you know, even if you're not even if you're not a musician like full time and don't do it all the time once i mean there there are plenty of psychiatric studies um in, through the ages of you know how being a musician affects your ability to communicate with other people and it's like it's it's a no brainer that if you at least immerse yourself in music just to understand the relationships between the instruments and the notes and everything like there are people that couldn't tell you. There are people in their you know sixties, seventies that have lived a long life that couldn't tell you what a half step or a whole the difference between a half step and a whole step. Right. You know, couldn't tell you the difference between the the treble clef and the bass clef. Knowing those things, I think, allows your opens your brain up to ideas in life in general that allows you to problem solve. Because you're on stage problem solving the whole time. You're like, how for this next hour I have to entertain these people and I have to remember every single note that we wrote on every single song. And you're problem solving the whole time because that's a problem. It's not. <laughs> it's like <clears throat> never looked at it. That okay, way. It, it, it's not a problem to have to perform. No, no I, like, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, you get in front of all these people, and there's all these other factors involved, nerves and stuff, and you have to figure out how to perform these songs right. And like, music teaches you problem solving, I think. And so, the people that that just like, you know, I couldn't even imagine a life under some kind of regime where they were like, no, music is illegal. Ugh. I'd probably. I that's the only time I'd probably commit suicide. Yeah. Other than that, you know, I, other than that, I'm not, I'm not about that whatsoever. But if you told me that I couldn't have music in my life at all, like if I was deaf, I could still have music. I could still beat out beats on my chest or like beatbox. I could still feel things. But if you told me I just couldn't like feel or see or touch music ever again, no, thank you. <clears throat> I, I don't want to live in a world like that either, man. That's uh I don't know how we got so extreme so quick. It's yeah. probably uh, we're we're Bree and I are having a glass of wine. Our afternoon Tuesday night glass of wine. Sick. I know. I, know. I should have. Bree's here and how Bree's a big fan. Say hi, Bree. Hi. <laughs> What's up, Bree? What's up? Chilling. Talking to your boy I about some some, some music yeah. life. Yeah. She, I like it. I'm a big fan. I appreciate I've been encouraging that. the. She's a clarinet player. Oh hell yeah! So we're. I'm a band nerd. Yeah. First chair, second chair. First. Sick. <laughs> She's like, what? <laughs> what does motherfucker just say? <laughs> Did you really ask that? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sorry, we're I trying to we're trying to do a a Mission Impossible um, into Pink Panther cover. But not really. <laughs> oh man, that's that's cool. Why not? We're working on it. Yeah, let's uh, keep us updated here at the podcast. Yeah, we'll send you we'll send you a little audio <laughs> snippet so that you can be like, hey, just so we, if you listen to episode number is this four? Is this this is uh, six? Six number six. If you listen to episode number six on March sixth. On March sixth. On March sixth. Um, you know, we said that Brianna was going to play some clarinet at some point with Ted, and now here it is. You're the first to hear it. So we're going to save this clip for future use so that you can play this back. And then there's going to be a, a duet between Brianna and I on clarinet and guitar. I'm going to make a note because I think everybody wants to hear this. Yeah, and maybe Howie, if you want to be a part of it too, that would be really cool. Yeah, I'll just well, – uh, I can play the tambourine pretty shitty or something. We've been talking about this whole like – uh, trying to take acapella and use it for what it's it's supposed to be for. Yeah. By the way, let me tell you that um, your acapella, the first one you did, <laughs> I can't stop replaying it. 
Uh, some of my finest work, I'll say. It I'll is pat myself your finest work. I'm a big fan, but that right there was just it. That was it. To me, I mean, there was no other way comedies. to use that app. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, you want me to put together a song? Fuck you, dude. It's gonna be, I'm just going to scream <laughs> four different times. Yeah, that was so great. It was, you know, it, it totally, it spoke, it spoke to me. It spoke to the whole, the whole generation. Yeah, I went like full adult swim. <laughs> Oh, no, it was shit. good. Best thing I've seen all You know, Mike, Glad Mike de Guzman's old band has like a bunch of those bumps in Adult Swim. No shit, really? Yeah. Um, they were called Fluid Minds, and it was him and Johnny Cosmic were in the band together. Johnny Cosmic is with Stick Figure now. Um, before either of them were with either of us or Stick Figure, uh, they were in a band together called Fluid Minds, and Mike uh, showed me one night that like they they have a ton of uh, bumps in, in, when they show like the funny words in black you know, black screen with the white words. Mm-hmm. A lot of their a few of their songs have been chosen to uh, be those like little musical interludes. Thought that was pretty cool because I watch that shit all the time. Oh, it's rad! I'm gonna have to revisit that. I I, I don't ever watch TV, so it's I'm gonna have to sit down one night and check. That I out. used to. I don't have cable anymore. Ah, but I used to you. watch Cartoon Cartoon Network. Good when for I you. Did. Who needs it? You need you need some of the you content. Need you need to consume like all the good shit and just cut, just trim the fat. Are you gonna lose your your? Big corporate cable TV sponsorship. If we say that you don't need cable, <laughs> it's got that big Xfinity contract. It's like that Xfinity Bright House Limited. No, uh, I wanted to. I wanted that, to be sponsored by Cox. Cox Cable. Don't we all? Don't we all? Sponsored by Cox. Endorsed by Cox. I mean, uh, I think uh, Ron Jeremy's sponsored by Cox. I mean, if anybody's going to be, it's got to be him. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Me neither. Uh, our dog our dog and cat are having a, a duel right now. It's it's a very tense time in the household. Oh, man. You know, fighting like cats and dogs. Yeah, now the cat is eating the dog's food, and that's going <laughs> to be a big problem. So, uh, I remember one time uh, we were driving in our van, and yeah, I we were leaving, uh, leaving home to go do a tour or something, and we got. I was driving. We were about an hour out, um, somewhere around four ninety five, around the DC area, I think. And um, yeah, uh, there was this <clears throat> there was this brownie sitting there in the in the cup holder next to me, and um, yeah, I was just like, oh, cool. I'm just gonna. I don't really smoke weed that much, but like I'll, I'll hit it at some, from time to time or, you know, do some edibles or whatever. And I was like, uh, ah, cool, I'm just going to take a little, I'm going to eat this brownie, you know? And, so um, you ate it knowing it was inedible. So I knew it was inedible, right? I knew because okay. we, I forgot who we I got I thought this from. was going to be one of those stories where you innocently ate a brownie and all of a sudden ended up in Wonderland. No, no, no. Um, the Wonderland thing did happen. Uh, I didn't realize, <laughs> I'd never really, I don't know if I'd eaten the, I guess I'd eaten a brownie before, but like, I guess this was just so potent. I didn't realize it and it didn't really taste like it. You know, you can kind of taste it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so I'm cruising. I'm like, cool. I'm going to get this brownie, be chilling out, get a nice drive. And, um, yeah, within that hour, um, I started, everything got blurry, right? I, my hands grew to the size of like, I don't know, like I thought I had like big Mickey mouse gloves on. Right, yeah, like really big hands, <laughs> and I felt like the uh, yeah. the steering wheel got as big, like huge, like a big truck driver. I felt like a truck driver, right? And and I started, yeah. and I I couldn't feel my hands anymore, and I started like blinking really fast. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, and I started like smacking the steering wheel, trying to like get the feeling back. Like, okay, I'm driving, and I finally realized like. Okay, guys, I gotta stop. I can't drive. They're like, "What's wrong?" I was like, "Oh, just I can't." And um, you're like, "I'm I, here, but I'm not here." Yeah, cars were driving so fast by me. He's like, "How?" I was like, "Dude, these cars are driving so fast." And like, I when I went to go pull over, I looked down. I was doing 40 miles an hour in like a 70, <laughs> right? 
and so we're going fast out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I finally pulled over and uh, got in the back. Someone else drove. Thirteen hours later. Thirteen hours later, I wake up in the back of the van. Right. There's a point to this story. Um, I wake up. I'm just kind of like coming to, and we're listening to "Start from Scratch" by a band called Pacifier. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I remember that one. This was uh, probably one of the first times I I had actually listened to it. Like I heard a couple songs, but uh, they just had it going, and I kind of went back out a little bit, and I had the craziest dreams. And I remember having like, I remember sitting up and think I was like, "Yo, this fucking album is sick." <laughs> Did we trip you out? Dude, it was rad. It was good. I, I want to thank you for that. Um, oh man! But uh, I want to thank you for that story. That's, that's you're welcome. Awesome. It was a little long, but uh, yeah, I, the whole point was like you guys were playing. You were my soundtrack to my my crazy weird brownie dream, and um, it was just. <laughs> I, I remember just getting a real appreciation for for that album and you guys as a band. Like it was just it, that's one of your well, that's one of your best records. It's just so cool. Paul Leary has a lot to do with that, man. I think I, the writing, all of that, you know, I feel like we we did our best as far as writing and, and all that. And I don't know, like Longshot is, has felt the closest to that one since then. But Start From Scratch was something that went after it was mixed and I listened to Paul's final mixes. And since ever since then i've i've not you know we've had really great mixes but as far as like the low end whatever whatever paul did whatever magic he sprinkled on the low end of that album you can play it in any system and you know you crank you don't have to crank or turn down the bass it's just there and i've heard it like out on the beach one day i heard the song start from scratch which is probably my favorite like low end on that record because we used the little fatty out at sonic ranch um he he brought his own uh, Mo, Moog little fatty or um, no I'm I'm I don't remember who makes the little fatty but he brought this synthesizer that you have to tune up before you use and stuff it's got just the fattest analog synthesizer sound you could ever imagine and I heard the song out on the beach out of a like a you know just a little like Bluetooth stereo thing and. Before it even registered that it was our song, I was like, that bass sounds sick. And then I, I stood up and I was like, oh, shit. All right. That, I, that's why I recognize that song. That's our song. And I went up and like slapped five with the guy who was playing it. But like to this day, the low end on that entire record has sounded better than anything we've ever done. And whatever, Paul, whatever you do, I'm going to send you a link to this so you can reply to me. Uh, whatever you do with that low end, I don't know. I need to know. Paul I, need, I need to know. He's a good My dude. My favorite Goldfinger song. He is a good dude. Um, Goldfinger's great. Yeah. Well, no. thanks for sharing that story. That's that's funny. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Just every time, every time you guys play that song, just start from scratch. Start from scratch. The song. Every time you guys play that, it's just it's one of those bangers. You know, you go to the Pacifier show and that song comes on. And Mike's hitting the fucking melodica and just like, it's just a, I don't know, just everything about it is, is just, is perfect, you know, and a uh, great way to kick well, off the record man. and set the tone, you know. Can I tell you a brownie story? Yeah, please. I, it kind of ties into the beginning of our conversation because I told you my dad was on the radio. Right. And he got his start at um, University, uh, Moorhead State University in Round County, Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, he grew up in the, in, you know, was was definitely a hippie in the 60s and had friends that lived out in the hills of Kentucky in a, in a trailer and did what they do in the hills of Kentucky in the 60s in a trailer. And he showed up there one day before going on the radio and I think like his his producer, his like partner on the radio show, he was there to pick him up and go to the radio show. And he got there and uh, his friend and his lady friend were in the back finishing up some business. And um, his friend yells to him from the bedroom, hey, we just made brownies. Go ahead and have you one and I'll be with you in a minute. And my dad's like, all right. Um Knowing and knowing my dad's uh, sweet tooth, he went straight for those brownies. Probably had like three or four of them, 
Ooh. And then um, he and his friend went into the college, and my dad went to the radio station and did his thing. He put on an all I think it was an Allman, Brecker, Allman Brothers record, um, and played the first song and fell asleep and woke up to a phone call about an hour later. Uh, like the program director of the college radio station was calling him saying, um, it's been blank air for about 45 <laughs> minutes. What is happening? Yeah. He, he had eaten like four pot brownies and passed out unknowingly though, like did not have any clue that it was pot in it. He oh, should have known because apparently his, he said his friend was a, Backwoods Kentucky grower, you know, but <laughs> ate a bunch of brownies and passed out on the radio. And then somebody called him and said, Hey, uh, you've been playing nothing for about 45 minutes. What oh, the hell's amazing. going on? And he was amazing. like, Oh my God. <laughs> panic mode, dude. Full on. Yeah, panic mode. Oh, but man. But that was like, he told me a story. And I was like, Man, I still would love to do, even, even shit like that can happen. I still would love to do some radio stuff someday. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. I, I actually I did some radio and at some college radio, and I got in trouble. I was getting really good at it, and I got in trouble one time because the 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 programmer actually the guy that ran the thing, um, he he would just leave. He like I was there two days, and he would just leave. He would like here play this, yeah. I'm out, and he. <laughs> so I started like getting calls and stuff like, hey, play this, play that, you know. And, so I started slipping yeah. in like real big fish and like Green Day tunes and and this isn't like, all. Are they this, gonna fire me? They're not even paying. I know they're not even fucking paying me. And so this was a college radio station and um, so, dude, I, I spent like, I think it was like a couple hours um, there one night and I just started working because he told me if you want to slip a song in into the playlist, go ahead. You know, I just took yeah. liberties, man. I just like changed everything and. Uh, I started getting phone calls, like request line was lighting up. It was crazy. And a uh, dude showed up, red face, just super pissed. And I could just see no. it, you know, and he was so mad. And he was like, what the Why? fuck are you doing? Yeah, it was like, because, you know, he, he did this whole playlist and, and I just fucked with the whole format, you know. And, um, oh, the program director showed up and was pissed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I thought you were saying a random dude showed up and was pissed. I was like, oh, what'd you say? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, yeah, the program director, he, he came back because he was obviously listening, and I didn't even think about it. I was yeah. just doing it. And, oh, man, he was so mad, dude. It, but it, it was so much fun. I don't think I ever went back at that point. I was done. But um, I, I was. it was so much fun, man, just, like, doing the – playing the songs and throwing in the little bumper stuff and, you know, doing mm-hmm. the station IDs and, you know – Dude, I don't listen to radio enough, and I, I need to. I need to support it. Like it's it's a dying art that has basically created all of us, all of us musicians that are out here right now playing music for the masses. We were all influenced by listening to the radio, and these kids coming up now don't even know what the radio is because there's no reason to wait for your song to come on anymore. You know, it used to be such an anticipation thing. It was like it gave us patience. It gave us the the will to sit there and listen to a bunch of shitty songs that we don't like, to wait for that one song to come on so we could press record on our fucking cassette player. Yep. And and save that shit forever. And now these kids are like, Alexa, play Beyonce. Oh god, Alexa's gonna play Beyonce now. Hold on, stop. <laughs> Alexa, stop. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, so I got the technology, I'm with it, but it's just, these kids don't understand. Like we used to be so dedicated to our music that we would sit there and listen to the radio for an hour for our song to come on just so you can record it to a piece of technology that's completely obsolete now. Totally. Dead. And I found my tape, I found a tape player and I found my tapes and I've been jamming my tapes recently. I want to make, you're going to get a mixtape in the mail, by the way, I'm going to next Christmas. I told Bree next Christmas, I'm sending mixtapes. To everyone. Oh, that's the best idea. And it's idea. not going to be a CD. It's going to be a fucking tape. So that's you better best. have a tape player. Yeah. I, I'm going to get, I got to get, I think I do have a tape player somewhere. Damn. Yeah. All right. Well, then I'm going to spec one back from you. <laughs> um, the, uh, that was the best, man. You, you forget about that stuff. Like I remember anytime a, a, one of my favorite bands would have a new song out. Cause you know, it was, this was pre-internet. So you didn't know when this shit was coming. And, and like you would just, 
You'd be like, holy shit, they got a new song, a new record. Like, and you'd get so pumped. And the next time I would sit there and wait, I'd have the tape recorder ready and I would just wait for them to play this fucking song. Oh, know? yeah. And then just record it. And then I would just loop it over and over. I would record it back to itself and just front and back of the tape. Just a 90-minute fucking max winning stuff off the radio? What's that? Like contests on the radio? Oh, contests? Oh, yeah. Dude, lose your mind. Dude, it's so much more exciting than somebody posting something. Repost this 30 times and maybe you can win something. Yeah, win a chance. Like I look at those and I'm like, Laban, like the the guy from Simpsons was like, (laughs) repost this 30 times. Why don't you get on the radio and say, hey, if you want a free copy of this CD – Call in, be the next, you know, be the tenth caller right now. That was the way to do it back in the day. I guess Facebook reaches more people, but it, it it's just it's so sad that that kids growing up now don't get to experience the excitement of like what was experienced from the nineteen thirties. Maybe radio became a thing many almost a hundred years ago. And it's been a thing for 80 years at least and now is becoming something that the young people growing up don't really understand so they kind of discard it. And for this reason, like this is why people are doing podcasts now. This is why people are trying to get together and talk so other people can listen to people talk (laughs) and feel like the good old days of radio are still around. And I I applaud podcasters. Thank you. Thank you, Howie. (laughs) You know, I, this is, I, uh, the, I, it sucks that, that radio has kind of gone the way it's, it's gone. And now a lot of times, like, especially like the big, bigger stations, they don't take chances anymore, um, because they, they can't afford to. It's like, they're afraid of getting shut down or changing the format. Radio mm-hmm. is a, is a crazy industry. I remember when HFS stopped and they flipped to Spanish, um, they came in like two, two hours before, uh, noon, it was like 10 in the morning. They came in. And they just had everybody pull everybody up and they said, all right, everybody's fired. It's done. You know, at noon we're going Spanish and, you know, they, it's just that kind of industry. And I think it's more and more, I mean, so many alternative stations are just, are just going away all the time. Um, we got, we started getting spins uh, for girls. We got added in Reno and two months later they, they were a different station, you know, the, the format changed. Yeah. So, you know, it's crazy. So uh, podcasters, you know, and things like that. Like it's, it's all, you're not stuck to, you don't have to explain yourself. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do, you know, and that's the freedom of the internet, you know? Yeah. And, and having the tools and just, and, and it it is, it's exciting. I think it's like, again, I feel like we're in, we're in an infancy here um, with all this stuff. Can can you play music? Can I play music? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Because I, I, I mean, seriously, I wanted to start a, a podcast myself, but I don't know if, you know, I have to register with ASCAP, if I have to, um, you know, ASCAP has taken, which is crazy for us because we're in a situation where we want our songs to be played and we want people to have to pay money to play our music in their bar. That's great for us. But then you have be, you have developed these relationships with bar owners and club owners over the years, and they're your friends, and they're getting fucked over now. Not fucked over, but all of a sudden, ASCAP and BMI and all these these uh, licensing companies are coming to them and strong arming them, saying, "Hey, you haven't paid your dues in so many years, and you owe all this money. You pay now, or you don't play any music in your bar." Yeah. And I would imagine it would probably be the same thing in the podcast world where they're going around and listening and seeing what's being played and and going and charging these podcasters for what they're playing. But I don't know because I'm not yeah. in that, in that <clears throat> world might fully. Be, but. There might be licensing stuff like um, – you may you may have to at least get an agreement with with the artist that you want to spin. Um, it's very right. you know uh, I, I haven't really checked out all the the music podcasts. There's a whole music section like at iTunes and all that, and um and I haven't really checked them out. And uh, so I don't know if they're playing playing songs or not. I could swear that I've I've heard like snippets of songs on other podcasts that yeah. I listen to, but yeah, not just like well yeah, this and that, and then you play yeah. the song and you know whatever. Um, well, so that that's a good question. Honest, I'll check that out for you and me. 
right now, anybody spinning our music on podcasts, we're all about it, and we're not trying to of course press not. Yeah. any kind of charges or like you know whatever. But if you have a podcast and you spin that that song of the week, you know every week you spin some song that is super protected and super like famous and has made a lot of money for somebody you you could get a cease and desist or a, you know like a please erase this this thing and it's just a weird everything is so weird now with streaming and people winning grammys off of, or not winning grammys but um excuse me getting like um you know number one placement on billboard for sales with streaming being uh, a thing now like streaming i don't I think it's like 10,000 streams is one album it's a uh, it's it's fifteen hundred streams is a, is a download. It's technically is a one track download. Yeah, like a sale. Yeah, yeah. but I think ten thousand streams it, it might be. is a is a an entire album. Okay, yeah. so it's like if you have multiples of ten thousand streams, that's an album every time it's it reaches ten thousand streams. Um, which is it's such a like crazy thing to think about now is that like before it was all based on sales and now it's based on these monthly sus- subscription things that how do you even really know how much you're actually impacting the music industry if it's based on half like streams and half actual sales yeah Okay, you know what? Uh, I just pulled it up because I wanted to know. I wanted to make sure. Um, yeah, so the RIAA, um, they it, it's fifteen hundred streams is one album sale. That's what that's one is. album sale. One okay. album sale. Okay. One full album sale is fifteen hundred streams, um, and well, that can be of any song. Doesn't matter. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that that's right. Yeah, because a, a lot of artists, all the big selling artists, like the platinum ones or the almost platinum. Were certified gold and platinum after that because they've got millions yeah. and millions and millions and millions of streams. Um, so that yeah, it's that Rihanna new world man. Rihanna sold four hundred eighty-two copies. I think Matt may be off, but four hundred something copies of her album, her latest release in the first week, physical copies because she wasn't on tour. She just you know in stores sold. With under a thousand, four hundred something physical copies, but because her album was streamed enough times, or each song was streamed enough times, she still went platinum for her first week. It's such a and she's the first world. artist to do that apparently in this new world of like crossover into streaming being a thing. Yeah. She was the first artist to go platinum because of a stream and. That blew my mind. I was like, "That that is that is a mark of an entire change in the way that current, like the currency of music, is completely a different currency now. It's been taken over by a totally different government of music, and now we have this thing called streaming, which didn't exist until seven years ago." All right, that concludes part one. Make sure you uh, click over to part two right now, and I won't keep you any longer. Get back into the conversation.